0: Welcome to the Awakening Shalom podcast. The Awakening Shalom podcast is an opportunity for digital faith formation at Myers Park Baptist Church that accompanies the Awakening series, a year-long journey of exploration and discernment which invites all people to come learn about the current social justice issues of the day and how they impact our faith. What we are awakening to is Shalom, the Hebrew word for the peace and beauty that exists when we are living in right relationship with God, ourselves, other human beings, and and all created things.
1: Hello and welcome back to Awakening Shalom podcast. We are in the second episode of Earth Justice series. Yes. Yes. We had our last episode, which was actually a live Recording. It was live. uh, For our uh, introduction to the Awakening series this year, Awakening to Environmental Injustice series. And so now we're back in the studio with you all, and we are opening up some conversation about earth justice and how this connects to our faith. I'm here with Reverend Ben Boswell.
0: Yeah. So glad to be back on the podcast. (laughs)
1: Yes. And I'm Mia McLean. And so let's jump right in. Um, So let's do a brief recap. Mm -hmm. We had the conversation on September 22nd about... Um, how we got to this point of awakening to environmental injustice. So I was wondering if you could just give us a quick snippet of the previous series and how we worked our way up to where we are now.
0: Um, the previous, what? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Um, so I think, racial injustice, Yeah, Yeah, I think that's good to keep those connected as people continue yeah. to walk with us on this. So we did Racial Injustice. Uh, it was our first podcast series, or actually it was our first Awakening series, which we had a podcast, a number of podcasts about. Then we had Awakening to Immigrant Injustice and then Awakening the Body. Mm-hmm. And each has kind of built on the on the last. We learned a lot about how... uh, immigration is affected by racial issues in America, and we learned that our eyes were open to see that after having gone through the racial justice series. And then, of course, as we got into the body series, we were talking a lot about how um, gender and sexuality and health. Uh, our things are impacted and how our faith intersects with those issues. And that connected back to immigration and to race. Mm-hmm. And then now uh, moving into this awakening to the environmental injustice series, all that we have learned from the past is carried with us in mm. this. So we will continue to talk about racial justice as, as, insofar as it impacts environmental justice. And immigration and things like climate refugees, Mm. which there are, there have been many of those and continue to, that continues to grow. And then, um, you know, I think the body has, is clearly connected to the environmental justice because what we're doing to the earth, we're doing to our bodies because we're part of the earth. Right. Right. And, and we're we live
1: off the earth.
0: That's right. Yeah. We're yeah. animals. So whatever, we're, we're hurting ourselves. We're killing ourselves literally. And we learned that in a very intimate way on the Awakening the Body Pilgrimage, mm-hmm. which we heard from those pilgrims mm-hmm. this past Sunday in worship uh, about their experiences. And so that was a natural progression for us to go from the body into the environment.
1: Yeah, yeah. So we're excited about this series. There's been a lot of energy around it, so we just wanted to go a little bit deeper into the conversation on the podcast. Yeah. Um, We started this new thing with the last series in which we highlight an organization or a nonprofit that's doing work in the topic that we are speaking of. And so we're in this series. We have a lot of partnering organizations. And so I want to highlight two in particular. There are several. Um, but I want to highlight interfaith power and light. Yes, they are a national organization, but they have a North Carolina chapter. Their mission is to inspire and mobilize people of faith and conscience to take bold and just action on climate change. That's right. So they are climate. They revolve. A lot of their work revolves around climate change, and we'll get into a little bit more of the definitions as we continue to have the conversation. But I want you to remember that um, because some work is focused on environmental environmental justice, others mm-hmm. are focused mm-hmm. on creation care, they are focused on climate change. And you're going to help us with those. I am. Like, good, I am. As we, as we dive in. Um, one of the things I love when they uh, that they mention in their values is that they want to embrace faith and spirituality mm-hmm. um, and, mm-hmm. and really acknowledge that we are all grounded in the interconnectedness of the sacred, the natural world, and one another.
0: Man, that sounds like the intro to this podcast. It
1: is. I
0: know. That's Shalom right there, right? Yeah. That is the concept of Shalom, which folks should know that it, it there is in, in many indigenous traditions, um, the scholars have researched this, what they call a harmony way or a way of peace or a way of Shalom, which is, um, and you can just think about indigenous, uh, the first Americans, indigenous folks who lived here, how they themselves and the land were one. Mm-hmm. They themselves and the divine were one mm-hmm. with themselves and the land and each other and how it was all interconnected. And that way of living is what we call shalom or peace or mm-hmm. harmony, the harmony way tradition. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. Um And it kind of, it connects with, with what we're trying to do with this series as well. Yeah. Is acknowledge that there's a lot of interconnectedness with the previous series. That yeah. they don't. These issues don't stand alone. These injustices don't stand alone. Um, right. Well, so. that, to that point.
0: So, not to interrupt our mm-hmm. awesome shout out here, but when I say shalom in the intro to the podcast, I think that connects very deeply with environmental justice. Mm-hmm. And there is a great definition of sin that I think comes from Alvin Plantinga, hmm. and he says that sin is culpable disruption of God's shalom. Hmm. So anything that disrupts that harmony between creatures and the earth and the land and each other and God, that is sin. Mm. Anything that ever disrupts that relationship of right relationship of harmony and peace that they have with each other. So obviously wow. like war yeah. would, would be an answer. Yeah. But even small things yeah. like the, the harmful
1: mistreatment of animal life. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. yeah. Wow. We have, we have to, uh, we're building on our concept of sin in the Bible study we as have, well. We have <laughs> and in your sermons, and, and so this is this is fitting. <laughs> um, another one of Interfaith Power and Light's values is um to embrace justice in that mm. when we act with inclusion and respect, we are all working in solidarity with vulnerable and marginalized communities. So again, we're seeing that they are really trying to connect climate change to other Issues going on. Right, it's not right. a separate it's not a separate thing, a standalone thing. And so I, I appreciate their work. They do have a chapter here in North Carolina. Yeah. And so if you want to plug in, go to their website. You can just Google Interfaith Power and Light and it will come up. Good. <laughs> um, our second organization is actually local to Charlotte. Mm. Which is mm. interesting because most of the organizations have a Charlotte chapter or a right. North Carolina that's chapter, right. but this is actually a Charlotte based organization. Cool. It's called Sustain Charlotte. They reached out to me last week via one of our members, Kate Green, wow. um, because they want to participate in our some of our awakening events. So Excellent. we're excited about that. Um, this is who they are. Sustain Charlotte is a nonprofit organization helping to advance regional sustainability through smart growth. Our dedicated staff and volunteers work collaboratively with local neighborhood organizations, government agencies, nonprofits, and businesses to solve the most important challenges to the long-term social, economic, and environmental health of our community. And so I'm starting to hmm. see all the categories these organizations fall in. So I would definitely consider them to be an environmental justice focused okay. organization.
0: I was going to ask you where yeah. you thought sustainability falls in
1: our categorization. Yeah, I think I think whenever the organization is people focused. Mm we're going to fall into this category of public policy and environmental justice. Yeah. So you have creation care. I'm going to get, I'm already jumping into creation care is um, really kind of earth focused. Climate change is really about what's happening in the climate and the, the atmosphere. And then you get into this environmental justice conversation, which is almost always connected to socioeconomic status or race, Yes. which is people focused. This is why they're doing the work and they want to educate, make people aware because it's affecting a certain grouping of people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Cool. Well, yeah. shout out to Interfaith Power and Light, and shout out to Sustain Charlotte. Continue mm-hmm. to sustain your good work <laughs> in our community, and we look forward to working with you over the course of the next year. Yes. And yes. into the future, as this year is just an awakening that will lead us into even deeper engagement with our environmental justice work. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Indeed. So, let us now then jump in. Mm. Um we've been having lots of conversations with people about this topic. Um and I wanted to kind of start off with just some storytelling. I want to know how you and I, mm-hmm. we both share how we became aware environmentally aware or yes. earth justice conscious. I mean, how did we end up here because I I didn't grow up this way, and um, it's certainly uh, an evolution. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm still learning to reorient myself to this yeah. to this work because it's really taking um, it it's, it takes a lot of energy to refocus, mm-hmm. um, retrain yourself some of the behaviors that you've been used. Oh to. yes. Yeah. Yes. So, I don't know if you want to start. I should start. I, I'll go. Okay. I'll go
0: first. <laughs> I'll go first. I'll go first. Cause I got some good stuff. Okay. You, I, you asked me to do this. And when I, when I started going down this history lesson in my own life and looking back at my story, I found so many fun things. Mm-hmm. So I think my first, my first moment of awakening, even a little bit to this question, I was probably in fourth grade, third or fourth grade. So this is my daughter's age now, Lucy. And It was in the 80s, and it was in the middle of the recycle movement, Mm. and the recycling movement was really big in the 80s, and they started trying to make kids, try to get kids involved in it, and so my elementary school, my fourth grade class did a presentation, it might have been third grade, third or fourth grade class did a presentation to the whole school where we learned a song, and we sang it to the whole school about
1: recycling. Are you going to share that with us? Oh, yes. I still know it from third grade.
0: Recycle, recycle, recycle now. And then you like clap. Recycling if you don't know how. Tell your mother and your brother and your sister too. Recycling is the thing to do. So recycle. Recycling is the thing to do. That comes, and so while that's happening, and I'm, I'm singing about recycling in school, and we're talking about it at home, um, I'm watching, as a kid, some s- Saturday morning cartoons was like a thing for kids my age at that time. It was like every Saturday morning, you turn on, and it was like six straight hours of incredible cartoons, and you could just sit there and eat individually wrapped cheese slices. And oh gosh. And watch TV. And one of the one of the cartoons was called Captain Planet. Have mm-hmm. you heard about this? I have not. Oh my gosh! We have to look up and watch an mm-hmm. episode later tonight. <laughs> so Captain Planet uh, was a TV show about this superhero, and his name is Captain Planet. And, but it was also about four or five kids that all had superpowers, and one had the superpower of like water. One had fire. One had earth. One had air. Mm -hmm. Uh, One had heart. We always thought that was a lame superpower, Mm -hmm. but one had heart. So it was like Earth, yeah, Earth, fire, air, water, and heart. And then Captain Planet. And then when they put their rings together, Captain Planet would appear. Mm -hmm. And they could get Captain Planet to do things. And they were always going around and, like, finding people who were polluting. And, like, it was like Scooby-Doo, but Mm -hmm. it was Scooby-Doo, but for polluters. Like, they're Mm -hmm. not criminals, but polluters. And so, uh, and Captain Planet was, I mean, people who are listening to this who are Gen Xers are probably just going crazy right now because they watched this show. It was very popular. So I remembered the song so I could also sing that for you. Oh, wow. You just, I mean, I don't, sing, I don't sing side. as good as you do, <laughs> Mia, but I can, I can do it a little bit. Okay. So, all right. Here we go. Let's see if I can get it. Captain Planet, he's our hero, gonna take pollution down to zero. He's our powers, magnified, and he's fighting on the planet side. Captain Planet. And it kind of goes over that again. Wow,
1: okay. So
0: anyway, so this was a big deal. And uh, remembering my my young elementary school mind being turned on to environmental issues through this recycling song and through Captain Planet. And then, you know, as a kid, it was all about pollution. In Captain Planet, it was really about pollution. Mm -hmm. He was worried about people polluting the water, polluting the environment, Mm -hmm. polluting the air, and... Um that was really the focus. Same thing with recycling. It was a lot about pollution more than it was about sustainability conservation. It mm. was about the uh, it was about pollution. And littering was a big deal. I remember fights with my parents where like there was a time period where we didn't care to throw something out the window of the car while we were driving and then suddenly all of a sudden we did care a lot about throwing something mm-hmm. out of the window while we were driving and that littering became a big deal. But I associated the kind of passion around this with uh, another moniker, sort of like when we were in the queer series and we were asked, you know, we asked, what was your first introduction of the word queer? For me, we had a moniker here in this category. It was tree huggers. Mm-hmm. People who cared about the environment were all called tree huggers. It didn't matter if you only if you cared about animals, plants, mm-hmm. minerals, people, mm-hmm. pollution, you were a tree hugger and or a hippie. You know, we were still kind of, it was the 80s, so we were still calling people hippies by then. In fact, Mm -hmm. we were calling people hippies derogatory by the 80s in a way that we weren't in Mm -hmm. the 60s, right? So um, so that was, and then like, I remember my friends, parents, I mean, we gave, we were really, we were big in contributing to church because we were church people. But a lot of my friends and parents, they didn't give to church. So I would go to their houses, and what they gave to was, like, Save the Whales.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And they'd have these Save the Whales things on their refrigerators and <clears throat> or World Wildlife Federation. Yeah. Which I always yeah. thought was—I confused that with WWF wrestling every time I saw it. I got really excited. I <laughs> said, WWF? You like, you like wrestling? And they're like, no, I like polar bears. <laughs> you know? um, so it was, like, Save the Whales, WWF— Save the Rainforest was a big one for a while, and mm-hmm. it was really about endangered species. You'd see endangered species come up from time to time on television, and that, would, that was kind of my social consciousness. This was middle school, early high school, and um, really not very well-formed, I have to be honest, mm-hmm. as I look back at this. Not very well-formed, not connected at all to my faith to church. Church was not talking about this at all. Zero. I was getting it at school, so I was talking about like third grade. Yeah. I was getting it at home from my television yeah. and I was going to church and not hearing a single word about it ever. Yeah. And um and then I would say a couple of big moments that I thought about that really started to change my social consciousness on this. One was the movie Aaron Brockovich.
1: Yes, I remember that.
0: Did you watch Aaron mm-hmm. Brockovich? I was a big Julia Roberts fan, so that was, of course, why why I was watching Pretty Erin moment. Brockovich. Yes, anyway. <laughs> love Julia Roberts. Yes, yes, she's so good. And um, so I watched Erin Brockovich, and I was just so impressed by her as an activist mm-hmm. and as an organizer for her community, and that was the first time that I think I realized that this the problem of environmental justice or the problem of pollution could be tied directly to human involvement mm-hmm. and that it may be that the problem was corporate greed was continuing to keep the pro- like people were dying of cancer in communities because of corporations who put power lines or yeah. or because of people who polluting the water or lead or whatever like mm-hmm. in, the, in these movies and uh that was the first time where i realized like corporations could be... uh, I mean, Captain Planet got into that a little bit, but it was more like one individual, not the corporation. Uh, But Aaron Brockovich, really, and the court case around it and how much legal work had to be done and the resistance. It reminded me of the tobacco industry at the time, which was actually really big for me because my father was a lifelong smoker. Mm -hmm. So, and we thought a lot about tobacco in my house. Mm -hmm. So when I kind of connected... Tobacco industry's refusal to put warning labels on or to admit that their product kills people. It was the same kind of feeling as seeing communities being destroyed, their health being uh, hurt by the dumping in their communities. And then what kind of work was going to have to be done? And I just the resistance that she felt all the way through, it was really uh, that was really that kind of awakened my social consciousness <laughs> to the issue. But to be fair, it's still nothing in church. And so it wasn't until I got to seminary that for the first time ever I was confronted with a connection between uh, environmental justice and my faith or Mm -hmm. um, even creation care, to be quite honest, which was a thing I'd heard about in church, but nobody was really doing much on it. And it was reading Wendell Berry and other agrarian authors, Ellen Davis and others, um, Mm -hmm. Norman Warsba, and people who were writing, and mostly at Duke that were talking about this issue. And I had to read Wendell Berry for class, so it was was, that was starting that started opening my eyes to to look at this as a faith issue at that point. But that was basically it. So up until seminary, and then of course since seminary, it has been an, an, an evolution from there of continuing to read authors writing on this and seeing this, I guess I would say since seminary, it's gone from being like one of the social justice issues that I think about from time to time Mm -hmm. to like the social justice issue Mm -hmm. of our time, you know, like, and it has gone from, yeah, we need to really care about that to we're about to die. Since I was in seminary, really, yeah. and so that's the change that's happened in just a short time. Yeah, so that, that's been my journey.
1: Okay. Now you have. Well, to thank have some you for songs. singing. No, I don't have these songs. I don't okay. have these songs. Um, so I think I, one of the earliest moments I remember, I remember the big recycling push uh-huh. in um, in school, and so we had to do a. I mean, I think it was a science project or okay. something, and so I decided that I was going to design a trash can that was divided into three different parts like you put your plastic here yeah. your trash here you should trademark that
0: because they do that similarly well
1: I know exactly <laughs> by the time I I, pre- I presented this you know I, I did this project and I brought it to the teacher she's like I think this is already trademarked <laughs> <laughs> I think it's already patented. I Damn. thought it was gonna be like rich or something. Yeah, I thought I had the most brilliant idea.
0: It was a brilliant. idea.
1: It, it was, but the reality is, is that it, it might have been in its formation, but it certainly wasn't in my community. Yeah, you weren't. I mean, uh, even I mean, even seeing a trash can in a community was a, ra- a rarity, which is why they had so much trash on the streets because yeah. people would just throw things out the window right. or throw them on the street. Um, And so we did, you know, I remember there was this big recycling push with the, I forgot, it's called waste management. That's Mm -hmm. the New Orleans um, Mm -hmm. trash people. (laughs) Yeah. And so waste management was making this big push to get these blue bins and you put them on the street Mm -hmm. and it just never quite worked. And my mom, she was like, I don't have time for this. Like, (laughs) You know, when you think about the number of things you have to do in a household with taking out the trash and and doing this and doing that, trying to separate things and put them in and then you Mm -hmm. take the trash out on Tuesday, but the recycling comes out on friday it's just kind of like you know for a working parent a working family that's just an extra thing to to think about and so we didn't clearly we did not uh adhere to what they were trying to do and i think most people didn't because it was very confusing they they weren't making it easy for us and i know that sounds very like you know selfish but if you're trying to transition people from one way of doing things to another then it we need a little like a little soft, some 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 soft entry. Yeah, cushion, yeah, soft you know? entry. So, yeah, an easy um, way to do it. Yeah. And so they weren't doing that. So, you know, I, I don't remember much happening regarding caring about recycling and stuff growing up. I guess the big event was Hurricane Katrina. And this Ooh. was even I mean, even after Hurricane Katrina, we weren't talking about climate change. It That's wasn't a thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, racism we were talking about. We were
1: talking about race. We were talking about how the city failed us, how the 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 core engineers engineers failed us. We were talking about how these communities allow people to build on flat land. They should have been building. Mm They should have built the land up before they build. I mean, we're talking about a lot of things, but climate change was not one of them. Um, And there were a lot of theological implications. And I think I mentioned that on the last episode about how people were preaching this as the Noah story and that God was trying to wipe out the debauchery in new Orleans. And so that was my connection to faith in environmental justice was that God was angry. God better go after Washington. Yeah. Stop
0: messing (laughs) with new Orleans. That's a good city. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, So there was that connection. But even after that, I don't think I realized it was a a hazard to my health until I moved Mm. back to new Orleans and
0: started having, yeah, Yeah. started
1: having a a respiratory issues, like Mm. asthmatic Mm -hmm. symptoms and stuff. Um, and you know we didn't think anything of it. I mean, we 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 would. There were people. They would you know people would make comments like you know we're all going to be dead in ten years. Because, you know, uh-huh. they were they were they were predicting that what was in the soil and what had set in houses was going to yeah. kill us. But we were just kind of like, oh, OK, yeah. You know? Yes. <laughs> you know, and most of us are still here. Um, uh, Not most of you us. You know, I
0: never forget when I went down to do uh, to strip houses and do mission work there after Katrina. I, we went to the Ninth Ward and mm-hmm. there was a man who was living there still after the flood. And mm-hmm. he had a sign that said, don't come by here and just look at my pain and do nothing.
1: Mm.
0: That was one of the most powerful moments I've ever had as a yeah. doing missions. But he was growing sunflowers in the soil mm. because apparently sunflowers purify the soil.
1: Really? Yeah.
0: Huh. I didn't know that. But he was growing sunflowers in the ninth ward after okay. Katrina to try to purify the soil. Yeah. It was really kind of a beautiful moment. Yeah. But hmm. I don't, you know, I, but to your point, like the soil, you've got mold, so you've got air, respiratory, mm-hmm. you've got soil, which is touching mm-hmm. food and everything. Mm-hmm.
1: Gosh! Yeah, the health
0: impact is huge.
1: It it was. I mean, the first time I went back to New Orleans, maybe like, maybe like two months after Katrina, went back to like gut my house, and my eyes burned as soon Mm. as we entered the city. Mm. I couldn't. I could not open my. My mom was just driving. I was like, "Are your eyes not burning?" My my eyes were burning as we were driving into the city. (laughs) Um, And you know, but we weren't connecting this to. I mean this was just a natural disaster to us. This yeah. wasn't like, oh, like the world's ending, it's climate change. We weren't really having those conversations. Right. Um it it only it only really started coming up when the next seasons of hurricanes would come about. We're like, this is happening much more fre- frequently yeah. than they used to, right? Because yeah. they hadn't had a big storm in New Orleans since 1960, something. Right. That's right. Hurricane Betsy. And so 1960 something to 2005 was almost a 40 year period, right? Um, and so now every other year, my mom's evacuating, and she's yeah. like, "We we just didn't do this before," and so right. that's when the conversation started coming up about climate change, global warming, right? Um, but still not connected to faith, no. not connected to. Not even really connected to looking at the way the global South has been affected. Mm-hmm. Black and brown people mm-hmm. disproportionately with climate change. Yes. There were, we weren't having those conversations. Mm-hmm. This awakening is fairly new, even with regards to the way that I eat. Yeah. It's fairly new. I mean, the oil spill in New Orleans really cut back on the, the type of fish um, that people were able to get. And so yeah. the fish industry started to plummet. Because we couldn't yeah. we couldn't fish like we used to. Um, then there was all this debate about farm-raised versus wild-caught. Well, mm-hmm. you know, the battle is wild-caught's better, but if there's oil out there, then you need to do the farm. So then there's all this. So this is when I started becoming more health-conscious about what yes. I was putting in my body as it okay. relates to the environment. Um, but I'm still awakening to it. I mean, I went to the grocery store this morning and... <laughs> I'm just looking at I'm looking at this this fruit that's sitting under the farmers market sign that's mm-hmm. from California.
0: Mm-hmm. And you're thinking, mm,
1: that's farmers not, market? That's yeah. not it. You're false advertising at Harris Teeter. Yes, yeah. I'm calling you out because you do it <laughs> at all of your locations. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah. and so yeah. it, it's just it's very not difficult. enough organic
0: it's, options either. It's,
1: it's really difficult. You have to really be reorienting yourself to a new reality. That's right. Yeah. That's right.
0: That's interesting how the how for you. Your eating habits are an environmental issue. I think that's the thing mm-hmm. that was such a huge eye-opening experience on the pilgrimage for mm-hmm. me was, well, two things. When I, last, when I was in a, my spiritual formation academy process, we had a whole week that was just on the body. And we had a, a nutritionist and an integrative medicine specialist come and talk about organic versus non-organic. And that's where we started hearing about how much Roundup I've been consuming for most of my life on the vegetables that I've been eating. We've been digesting, consuming poison, like literally eating poison, because without that poison, they can't keep the the pests from destroying Mm -hmm. these large sections of crops. Mm -hmm. Because, of course, and you say, well, we got to have got to deal with that. Well, that's because they're farming in a non-sustainable way because they're trying to make money, not just get us vegetables. Right. Right. So, again, food then becomes this. So first of all, with the organic organic stuff is life saving. You're you're actually taking poison out of your body. Yeah. Now it's not cheap, but yeah. it really does matter. Certified yeah. USDA organic food is actually taking poisons out of your body. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's not a joke to say let's let's buy the organic blueberries here. Right. You know, it's like that's... but you
1: have to read the labels as we learned.
0: Oh yeah, because the they not, don't all always have the, if they don't have the USDA certified and they just say organic, organic
1: then they're they not organic. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Well, and um, and then the other thing is like how how some environmental issue can then impact our bodies. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, first of all, I was kind of talking about organic one way, but then being on a pilgrimage itself started just to see how connected we are to the land
1: mm-hmm. and
0: to animals, and how one little one little mistake over here, one little quick shortcut way of trying to make more money instead of actually doing it the healthy way, can impact. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people and their health. Mm -hmm. You know, you're talking about a climate event, a catastrophe that really changes. But you're also talking about the oil spill,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: right? So not only do you have Katrina, but you've got the Exxon Valdez, and you've got uh, BP, and you've got—I mean, you've got all these other man-made issues that are not natural climate events, right? Natural occurring Mm -hmm. disasters, but actual. Mm -hmm. Man-made disasters of oil spills that are hurting us. Yeah, Yeah. it's amazing to see food. Just eating, just going to the grocery store, is like an environmental justice moment. It
1: is. It's really. It's really. I was so disgusted this morning for several reasons, (laughs) but I was just trying to find some like fresh fruit in Harris Teeter. Yeah, this I wasn't at some other stores that I won't call out. I was at Harris Teeter, and raspberries have mold on them. And you're like, and they're from California. And you're like, okay, so. Do I have to go to Whole Foods? Like, do yeah. I? Because you have no choice. I have no choice but to spend like you know X amount of dollars, and it's it's frustrating because you want. This is yeah. all connected to. Our livelihood, and I think, you know, the environmental justice movement is not really about the earth. Like I said before, it's about the people, and we're trying to free ourselves from the poison that we've been ingesting or from the toxic environments that we've been living in.
0: Well, a lot of folks need to work harder to have better organic options and fresher fruit. You know, that's always a big problem. Yeah. Um, I, um, not to give a plug for Whole Foods, but with your Amazon Prime membership, that does help. Yes,
1: yes. But back into the empire. But okay. Back into the
0: empire. Yeah, you, now you're into the, you know, the Amazon empire.
1: And you can't escape. No. They, everybody, they run us. They, well, they right. As we've talked about, us, yeah. that's,
0: I mean, we talked about that actually a little bit. Um, recently, I can't remember where we were about how we're all complicit in this mm-hmm. and that there, like we we can defect from it in certain ways. Mm-hmm. But there are other ways where there is no way to defect from it. Mm-hmm. The only path is is to change mm-hmm. transformation of the entire system itself because we're caught up in it. You know, mm-hmm. we can't just say, I'm not going to eat. Yeah. Right? Right, right. Any kind of eating is going to be caught up in one of the systems. Right. There's no way to do it otherwise.
1: You can grow it in your backyard, but if your soil is contaminated, then.
0: <laughs> right, or your water. Or your water. Right, either way. <sighs>
1: so so much, much to work I on here, man. Yeah, this is why we're doing this for a year. This is, it really is. Um, so I wanted us to, to give us some time to share our stories before we go into the more, uh, scientific and terminology, uh, yes. uh, related conversation. But I think it's really important to kind of see your entryway. I think a lot of people think, Oh, I'm, I'm too old to, to change my habits or I'm too, I'm too far along yeah. to reorient myself. But this is what we're going to have to do over the next, they're giving us 10 years before like a major, major, like, that yeah. It's going to burn up. <laughs> I mean, honestly,
0: now we're at a place where it's like, you know, you can be selfish and say, I'm going to be dead before this all burns to pieces. Mm-hmm. Or you can say, I care about my children and my grandchildren and my great grandchildren, mm-hmm. or I care about everybody's children and leaving a yeah. legacy. It doesn't matter whether I have kids or grandkids or not. Like, I just care about this, the earth that I love, and its beauty and its creatures, and I want to do something.
1: I mean, and there's one just to piggyback off that. You know, when we talk about the earth going up in flames, this is not this is not going to be like a like a a a three day event, right? Like, (laughs) oh, it's and we're well, they're all just going to burn up anyway. This is going to take. It's years and years of yes. natural disaster after natural disaster <laughs> right. you know what I'm saying this, this might actually take a century to happen but the effects it's going to have on the, the human population and the animal population is going to be it's, I think it's going to be cause of war Oh yes, Salmon. for sure. So, you know, this is for not going to be like, well, if you're all going to burn up anyway, who cares? Well, well no, that's right. not
0: right. <laughs> so, well, and I've also you know. joked that, I mean, not really joked, but kind of predicted, like, it'll be a mass migration into the middle of, mm-hmm. of countries, land yeah. mass areas. So yeah. cities that are landlocked are going to be become huge population mm-hmm. centers. People are going to st- It's going to start with migration from coastal areas, but eventually any landlocked area is going to be the right. primary space where people want to live because mm-hmm. they're going to be least affected by the big climate disasters that are displacing everybody and, dis- and creating heavy destruction. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be the first thing. Some island nations, Caribbean areas, are going to be just completely gone. Like we yeah. look at how the Bahamas and Puerto Rico have been battered. Like, they're not even going to exist mm-hmm. in, in, in 10, 15, 20 years if that keep, continues the not away. in the same
1: way that they... Not the way
0: they do now. You know. It will be very different. Yeah. You know, and that is going to lead to all sorts of uh, different things. Disease, war, fights, crime. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to lead to a militarized state to maintain control. Yeah. I mean, it's going to create a very strange political environment.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Where people are continuing to deny climate change and at the same time benefiting from it mhm financially and politically, so it's going to create a very awkward we're going to have uh you know some, some nations are going to go away, some nations are going to change some nations are going to fight it's going yeah, to be
1: it's going to be something
0: water I mean somebody predicted years ago that water was going to be like oil in a couple of years where people are going to be fighting land wars over water over clean water,
1: yeah. Yeah, you know. we're 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 just about there. Yeah, so we're getting there. So anyway, so let's let's head into unpacking some of these terms. Yeah, that sure. have throwing in the leave them on a hopeful thought <laughs> and move into some terminology. Yeah, just a little bit of science lesson, science class today. <laughs> so, um, if, if you listened to the first episode, um, I briefly unpacked the umbrella of Earth justice. Um, and I had a conversation with Reverend Amy Brooks, who works with Green Faith, yeah, and she explained it to me in this way. She goes, There's an umbrella called Earth Justice, which is really really what we're talking about here. We're kind of focusing on environmental justice yeah, because yeah. it relates to people as yeah, well. yeah, under that umbrella, you have three categories that different groups, organizations, nonprofits are focusing on creation care, mm. climate change." Mm. And environmental justice. Yeah. And so the definition of creation care is is probably the most straightforward definition. Care for or stewardship of the earth. Yeah. If you are a religious person, it might be God's creation for those of you who use that language. But yeah. for a more secular language, it's just the earth or the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, Earth care. Earth care, right. Earth keepers, yes, right? Yes, Um Climate change is really interesting. I didn't realize it had all these different um, factors to kind of unpacking the definition, but I've been looking at NASA, mm. which really does what? a good job of... Giving a nice little brief science class. Okay. Okay. Are you ready for science to go back to to elementary school? Science is fun. uh, I I wasn't very good at it, but... I thought I found it interesting. So climate change, a change in global or regional climate patterns, in particular, a change apparent from the mid to late 20th century onwards. Mm. And so this is the way they describe it. NASA says climate change is a change in the typical or average weather cycle, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? So weather is not climate. Weather is a short-term occurrence. Yes. Climate is the average of all of those short-term occurrences. Mm. And so that's per region. Global climate change is the average of all of the regions, Uh, So if it's on average 90 degrees in New Orleans in December and 80 in North Carolina or whatever, it's the average of all of that. So when they say the earth is warming, they're taking the average of all the places, all the different regional climates. Okay. Yeah. That's helpful.
0: Yeah. When you said it's it's weather versus climate, I I couldn't help but hear in, uh, I don't know if you watched, ever watched The Queen? Is it The Queen? That's about Queen Elizabeth. And Winston Churchill.
1: I think so. I didn't watch it, it's show. Netflix, yeah. Is that, Am I right that it's called The Queen? It Maybe. Be. The, the Crown. Crown. <laughs> ah, yes,
0: The Crown. Okay, so it's called The Crown, and one of those, it's like about during the time where there's like a big smog problem in London, and people just start dying from, mm. from, from pollution from the factories during the Industrial mm-hmm. Revolution, mm-hmm. and Winston Churchill ke- keeps yelling at everybody who brings it up at him, it's just weather. Mmm. So when you said weather, I just kept thinking about how sometimes it is weather. Yeah. And it still may be about yeah. environmental justice. Sometimes it's not weather, and it's definitely about environmental right. justice. But either way, whether it's weather or not, yeah, right, it still it probably has some connection to climate change.
1: That's right. That's right. Um, And so what we're seeing is we're we're looking at the cycles of weather and they are averaging those cycles to say, oh, the climate is changing. Uh, So you keep you see these six or seven hurricanes or tropical storms forming in the Atlantic and the Pacific. You're saying, the climate is changing because we've never had six or seven storms forming at one time. Yes, right. It's never
0: been 98 on October 3rd. Oh my gosh, it that last week in was North just yeah
1: 98. 98.
0: It was the hottest October day in the history of the state. Exactly. Now come on now.
1: We're breaking now. We're breaking records, and people are like, "Oh yeah, okay, I guess I guess this there thing might is be real. It might be real. A yes. bit. It
0: was real before you thought it was.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we well, always come
0: late. I mean, I just yeah. want to notice about your terms. It feels like there's a progression here in your terms, which is great, but it wasn't aggressive enough for Christians to just care about the earth, mm-hmm. was it?
1: No, it's only... Here we are. If We wouldn't be yes, here if it was. Yeah. It's only about relation to us, but we'll get there. Yeah. We'll okay, get there. Okay. Yeah. Um, the last term is environmental justice. So this is the most complex term mm-hmm. and we, I, it gets thrown thrown around a lot. But yeah. what I've discovered about this term is it's all people focused and people related. It's about public policy. It's, okay. it's a legal term. It yeah. is the legal term. You're not going to see earth justice in a in an, um, in Green New Deal. You're not going to see creation care or you might see climate change. But uh, the climate yeah. change is a scientific term. That's the science. That's of the science of what's going on. Right. Environmental justice is the term you're gonna see on the EPA. The um what does that stand for? The Environmental Protection Agency.gov, right? Yeah. You're going to see these terms used on all the government sites, people who are lobbying for certain mm. policies to pass, certain the laws EPA to pass. The EPA uses the word justice? They use, and the EPA on their website, they have a definition for environmental justice.
0: Ooh, good for them. Lord, so no and, wonder they're getting they, their funding it, cut.
1: Yeah, yeah, and they're part, <laughs> and all, these, all these other websites are using their definition a lot now, too. So their definition How is about that? fair treatment. In meaningful involvement of all people, regardless of race, color, national origin, or income, Mm. with respect to development, implementation, enforcement of environmental laws, regulations, and policies. Mm. This is a heavily political term. This is about public policy. This is about laws. This is about equity.
0: Yeah. Right?
1: Right. And what they say is on their website, the main predictors of environmental injustice is socioeconomic status and race. Interesting. Which is what we talked about a little bit earlier.
0: I love that term, and I love that the EPA has a term about Mm -hmm. it. You know, it's interesting, though, you know, how um, it's just interesting how when we talk about this, you look at the other two, one tries to say this is a scientific problem we're dealing with.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then if it's you if you want to make it political, that's a different thing. But mm-hmm. it's a scientific question, climate change. Yeah. The other one's like, no, no, no. This is a faith thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's about our, uh, you know, it's about caring for what God has given us, mm-hmm. caring for the resources that we have been, in, you know, entrusted with, right? Like yeah. stewardship. We've yeah. given this money, and we're entrusted with it. But. it's bifurcating, again, that division from that and politics. Mm -hmm. And so you see how they've been siloed off, and only once you get to environmental justice do you suddenly realize, oh, this has been about justice the whole time. Mm -hmm. It's been about justice the whole time, and we've been trying to silo it off as science or faith.
1: Yeah. And I mean, even the ones that are pushing faith more, science more than other things, they are still connecting this to human behavior. Yeah. You know, so NASA's big thing is, look, we started burning coal, oil, and gas, and now we have this greenhouse gas effect, mm-hmm. and now we need to stop, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's about human error, yes. human mistakes, and how that's affected us, um, but definitely science focused. So I'm always interested in, in the ways in which people check out of the conversation. Mm-hmm. So I know I don't like science. Mm. And so when people started talking about this greenhouse effect (laughs) years ago, I was like, I don't have time for this (laughs)
0: percentage of emissions
1: emissions in the globe, the CO2 and the, I was like, y'all, this is too much. Some people love science. That's that's all they want to talk about. That's their entryway. They don't want to talk about their spirituality.
0: They don't want to talk about the politics. Just tell me the science.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's somebody's entryway. Somebody else may be like, you know, I'm not really into this whole creation care, Genesis two nonsense, Leviticus Uh 20, whatever. Uh I don't care about that, but they might really be passionate about the way in which environmental justice intersects with racial injustice. Mm. And so that Mm. might be their ticket into the the conversation.
0: That's the cool thing about this issue, though, is there's so many different ways in. Yeah. But there are also that many ways out. Yeah. When you have all those paths in, somebody's going to be like, I'm out. It's on science. Yeah. But hopefully it's a thing that can bring people together. I'm already seeing that in the church, mm-hmm. that this is an issue a lot of people can get around, even around the politics of it, mm-hmm. on whatever side they're on. Yeah. You know. Um, so it's really interesting. Yeah. Before you jump into this last topic that mm-hmm. you've got on here, I wanted to add one to your list that I think might be one yeah. for us to consider. Where would you put land protectors?
1: Also at the conservationist... Or Or, indigenous
0: land protectors. Oh. oh. Because I don't know that they see what they're doing as just environmental justice. So, like, I think Mm. about Dakota Access Pipeline protesters or the Amazon tribes that are trying to protect the rainforest from burning in Brazil. And um, they are protecting their their land, Mm -hmm. which they don't see as commodified private property yeah. and that they can then sell and capitalize because they see it as not belonging to them, but they true. themselves yeah. they share in it. It's part mm-hmm. of who they are. It's like
1: it's like part of their body. It's part of their family. Part of their heritage. I would it, say it's something between I would say a cross between creation care and environmental justice. Okay. Okay. Only because yeah. I mean it's it's so spirit deeply spiritual. Yeah. The land. I mean if I'm not from North Carolina. I I, vow, I honor and value the land, but I don't I don't have a family connection, yeah. deep history, personal yeah. history. So I think that that's spiritual for for those groups of people. But I also think that it's environmental injustice because it's attacking their body. I mean, if they are if they if the land is an extension of their body, or if they are, if they are an extension of the land, then you're attacking their body.
0: But there's a deep. There's, it's deeper than just justice, though, right? That's that's why you have to add creation care or something. Yeah. There's some kind of faith element to it. Yeah. I mean, I think what why I bring that up is because um, I don't. Justice is if justice is about getting back to or um, making things right,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and making things fair, putting things in right relationship. How far back do you have to go when it comes to land? You know? Oh my gosh! So I guess what I I think we have a lot to learn from our indigenous indigenous communities mm-hmm. um, about how all these are really connected and and how 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 we uh, how the land is both a part of us mm. and we are a part of it in a in a spiritual and biological way.
1: Mm. Yeah. In a
0: social, spiritual, and biological way,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that we ought to have a kind of relationship with the land that we have, uh, with a church, mm. with sacred, with a sacred space, with our, with the grave where our ancestors are buried, with our home, yeah, with the our garden, you know, our front lawn, you know, where, whatever is our space, we we ought to have a relationship with the land like that the space where the most important event in your life happened you know mm-hmm. um and see ourselves as intricately woven into the land and with the creatures There is a deep wisdom in the indigenous tradition that we have to relearn now that they have to teach us, which is amazing because, of course, we have been our our civilizations have been bent on the destruction of theirs. Mm -hmm. And now we realize that our civilizations were bent on our own self-destruction from the get go because we didn't understand the wisdom they had to teach us.
1: Mm yeah
0: right yeah. anyway I just wanted to throw them in no
1: no thank you um that's good <laughs> i I forget about land conservation in the conversation sometimes um and I don't even know if we we will ever be able to go truly reconcile I don't even know what that looks like we what would have to go back I mean so many hundreds of years right right.
0: Yeah, yeah, I don't know, I don't know how far—all I, I, I know is that when I see Dakota Access Pipeline protesters, when I mm-hmm. see Amazonian tribes protesting the burn, burning of the rainforest, I see truth. Yeah. I see a kind of spiritual truth that's deeper than even—I'm mm-hmm. not even sure Christianity has—Western Christianity has, a, has an ability— to understand no. epistemologically yeah. that kind of faith, yeah. right?
1: That's something else that you have to have. That's a that's a a complementary faith understanding. I think yeah. we need to rebuild our our complementary faith understandings. Right. Like when I think about. Um, you know there are, there are there are certain cultures that practice Christianity, but also practice other things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think we need to rebuild those other things for us to really reconcile. Mm-hmm. I don't think I don't I don't know if Christianity is enough. No. To 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 anymore to have this conversation and make this right because
0: not with regard to the environment alone. I mean, I yeah. think we have to have other resources because our tradition has been. Uh, bankrupt on this question Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and Mm -hmm. devoid of good teaching, sound teaching, consistently sound teaching as a dominant voice. I mean, Mm -hmm. you can jump back and look at like St. Francis who we just Mm -hmm. celebrated his feast day Mm -hmm. and think of all the ways in which he was in communion with nature. You can look at the biblical witness. Mm -hmm. You can think about other um, conservationists throughout history People who cared about public parks and animals and peace and that kind of thing. But the witness between Jesus to Francis to Wendell Berry is a pretty big jump. Those are huge leaps. Mm -hmm. And there are people in there, but it's not been a dominant force of Western Christianity because Western Christianity has been bent on building a kind of civilization, a kind of imperial civilization that didn't really have space for that form of thinking. And, and and of course, thought about property as as something that could be commodified. Land mm-hmm. as something that was not a part of who we are, but something that should be bought and sold.
1: Mm, yeah.
0: And so here we are.
1: Here we are. <laughs> 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 well, we did not go as far as we thought, but that means we have good material for next time. We do have lots of good material. Um, do you want to yeah. do this last one before we go? or did- We're going to roll this over. Let's roll oh, this over. Good, good. because uh, I think this will be a great conversation opener as we hmm. we look ahead. We're going to look into um how how this uh, movement for earth justice has evolved and in many ways perhaps been co-opted yes ooh uh-huh we're going to look ahead to that and we're also going to look deep into some uh, thoughts and ideas about how the how we got into this situation in the first place so we're going to kind of be going backwards and then looking ahead Wow! next time. Okay. And then get into a little bit more scripture and some scriptural references. I know some people have mentioned yes. that they really benefit from having scriptural references and we're going to move a little bit beyond Genesis yes. um, to look at some of the other um, texts that talk about earth care and earth justice.
0: Good. Can I give people a little homework to take with them? Ooh, yes. If you get a chance and you're really interested in scripture, go look up every place where the word famine appears in the Bible.
1: Ooh, Okay. <laughs> All right. That's good homework. Yes. All right. Alrighty. It's been good. Yes. All right. See you next time. Thanks for listening.